Welcome into the Backyard Brothers podcast. Uh, this is our first episode. Uh, and so we are figuring things out and still getting things moving and appreciate any any listening as we uh, as we move forward and figure out what this podcast really is. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to introduce the name of this pod- podcast and then uh, each of the uh, the three participants here. So uh, I'm Scott Hansen. <clears throat> um, I'm the oldest of these three brothers. And uh I'm a communications professional. I work in communications and marketing, and I have background in sports journalism as well. And so uh, I'm looking for different mediums that we can uh, get get some communications moving on and and get analysis and and really interesting takes on some some news across all sports, which I think we have a good group of people here who are interested in in a wide variety of sports and news topics and can provide a good good view of that. Uh, Backyard Brothers, uh, I, I, develop, I, I thought about this name because uh, us three have played in the backyard so many times and we come up with, with different games to play in the backyard, whether it's football, basketball. Uh, I remember Dustin and I played soccer when we were in Utah at one point in the backyard. And, uh, and so I thought that was a really good idea and the name is not taken. So why not? Uh, so let, let, let's get uh, Dustin and Cody to briefly introduce themselves as well. Yeah, I think the name is is great. It fits how we grew up, and I think this is a great way for us all now in our in, in years where we have we have kids now, young kids to just reconnect and talk about sports, and and it's just it's just a fun experience. I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, I'm excited to bring a lot of lot of my takes, however controversial or um, unintelligent they may be at times. Um, I'm excited for all of this, Cody. Yeah, um, this is Cody Hansen, and uh, I'm the youngest of the brothers. Um, and uh, I, I don't have any real, real um, formal background in sports, but I have a real deep interest and desire. I always have had, specifically um, football and, and and sports, and so um, I've 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 always had that interest and and that backyard brothers thing. I think it really is is a great idea and, and connects us how we used to be connected um, and how we have that interest in, in sports. So I think it'll be really fun. Yeah. And, and, and Dustin said something that, that sparked another thought. Uh, there, there may be controversial takes. There may be un, what, what the other two of us and any thousands of people out there might, may find unintelligent or, un, uh, or, or, or whatever it may be. That's the idea though. We are not affiliated with any, group we're not affiliated we're not biased and anytime that we we that we try to bring bias in cody if you ever say that utah deserves a spot in the college football playoff we're shutting you out so (laughs) so things like that so you know this is we're 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 trying to be as unbiased and objective as we can Uh, i'm going to say some rough things about my uh my quarterback from from BYU today. So uh, it's, it's going to happen. Um, but we'll, we'll try that as much as we can. So we, the way we have set it up so far is, is, is we've identified some topics that we want to talk about. And uh, what I, how the, the format I want to take here is that each of us picks one of those questions and we'll start there. We don't have to go in order, whichever one, like I'll start and I'll pick one of these topics and we'll start right there. And then Dustin can pick one, one of these topics on the chat and we'll, we'll move on until we get through them uh, or until we run out of time or interest in today's recording. So any, any ideas from the panel of, of ways to improve that? 
Let's let's jump into it. And uh, yeah. you said this is our first episode, and uh, we're gonna get a whole lot better as we get along. We're gonna get better at this, and we're excited just to. Thanks for listening with us this first episode, and, and we'll join us for episode two as we get yep. better and better. Yep, we'll figure it out as we go along. So, so I'm going to jump right into. Uh, I'm going to pick the first one here because it's news today. Uh, if Dustin and, and Cody uh, know about this, uh, the story of Zach Wilson and the New York Jets has taken a a new a new angle today. Uh, it was announced that Zach Wilson will be benched. Uh, starting in in this next game uh, they have turned it over to Mike White as the starter for this week uh, as they uh, let's see who do they play this week um, the uh, the Bears the Bears thank you as they as they host the, as they host the Bears at home and Wilson won't even be active at all Joe Flacco is the backup uh, Wilson's going to be over there in street clothes so let, let's talk about this for a second uh, what is wrong with Zach Wilson uh, a little bit of background. First of all, why was he the number two pick two years ago? Uh, the reason that we saw leading up to that was he had a fantastic one season at BYU. Uh, but it was always betting on the potential of saying that one season could translate to several great seasons in the NFL, even while upping the talent level and the opposition level to the NFL. He was also making those off-platform throws on the move, the Patrick Mahomes-style stuff against his body with an arm that could flick it 70 yards to the air. Uh, he had all of those physical physical measurables, but the risk was always the mental aspect of it. How would he do reading an NFL defense? How about staying in the pocket, uh, making the right throws? And how would he how would he react uh, under pressure? Uh, all of those have been f- the very bottom level of the NFL. He has the second worst quarterback rating in the NFL at seventy two point six, ahead of only rookie Kenny Pickett. Um, so let, let's let's start there before I jump in a little bit more. What what is wrong with Zach Wilson? Was it a wrong evaluation? Uh, what what's going on? So thinking about the evaluation, I remember when looking at the NFL Combine, the scouts videos, and they're saying, "Wow, this is so impressive! Look how great it is!" And there is this particular view where he's where he's running left and throws it across his body right fifty yards perfectly. And I said, that's impressive. There's no defense. There's no rush. The The receiver is not being covered. He has who knows how long, how many times he practiced that. There is, there's absolutely no real game experience dedicated to the flow, to the throw that NFL scouts looked at and that maybe the Jets based some of their decision making on. And so now I see I see him when I when I watch the games, when I watch the highlights and he gets the ball, he looks, and you see him progressing through his reads and cannot make a decision. He he is just can't make a decision. And so many times there's open players that he hesitates and won't get it to. And so the skill, absolutely, but hesitation has been his, his downfall. And if he's going to make a return to the NFL, it's got to be make a decision, execute the pass, and live with the consequences. And that's what all the great quarterbacks have ever done. It's just that they execute those passes really well. Yeah. And you, you said it yourself, Scott, about um, he had, he had one good season at, at BYU in college um, against okay, mediocre teams. Um, and yeah, he's showing these, he has this talent, he has this potential. You're seeing as, as Dustin was saying, these amazing just flicks 
Um, perfect on a dime, right in the breadbasket. Um, and so he has the potential, he has the talent, um, but college is a lot different than the NFL. And he's learning that the hard way. Um, he, he's realizing um, that he's not reading defenses as, defenses as well as he could have in college. Defenses are much better. Um, and he's, uh, he's not as good as, as people thought they would be. And, and to be honest, I, I kind of predicted that from the start. I did not think he deserved to be a, a second overall pick. He has a talent. He has the, um, the, 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 the potential, but I didn't think he would have the execution to do it. Um, and secondly, accountability, ability to be a leader. Um, that is taking a big hit on himself right now. If you can't be a leader, you don't deserve to be a star in the NFL, period. I'm glad you said that, Cody, because that leads right into what I was just about to say. Uh, so the Jets defense is elite, right? I mean, they held the Patriots to three points. They lost because of a special teams mistake. Uh, they that, that defense was fantastic and has been all season. After the game, uh, reporters come into the locker room and they're obviously, they go to the quarterback. They ask Zach Wilson, point blank, uh, here is the question, quotation, do you feel you let your defense down with this offensive performance? Wilson says one word, no. How can you possibly say no to that question? Even if you didn't really, by only scoring three points on offense, never moving the ball, the Jets had two yards and it's total in the second half, two yards. And squandering an amazing defensive performance, you have to answer yes to that question. You have to have that accountability, that leadership that Cody just talked about. Now the defense is pissed off at him. You've lost your locker room. And that's probably part of the reason Mike White is starting. So will Zach Wilson get another chance? He really has to dig in. Uh, like Dustin said, learn to be a quarterback. Uh, because right now he's the bust of all busts. Yeah, I... Um... When, when you are the leader of an offense, let alone your team, when you're the leader of the offense, you have to take accountability because you're, if your offense isn't producing, you know, you look the leader, the one who's leading the offense. And if they're not producing, it's obviously got to start with you. And so if you're going to make any changes to the offense, Zach Wilson, you, you got to step up. You got to start, um, you got to start owning your mistakes and owning it to your teammates. Um, be a man, grow up and, um, and you gotta you gotta start, you know, at, at least acting like you care. Um, you know, I mean, get out there. If you're not playing well, own up to it and get better. Practice, and then when you are play, playing well, then people will see it. You have that potential. You have that that um, that talent. So we just need to see it put in play. I think I think that if he, um, he, I think if he does that, yeah, he'll get a second chance. I'm not sure if it'll be the Jets. Maybe I mean it might be in the future, but he'll get a second chance. But he he has to prove that he can that he can be a leader in the NFL first. Kind of a thought on that. And this this leads into another topic that we've talked about is there's so many top tier college quarterbacks that are complete busts um, from from top schools, players that that since since they're 15 years old, everybody knew they're going to be an NFL quarterback. And you can look at people like Baker Mayfield, who's who's just washing out of the NFL. Um, that it's just becoming complete busts, and and so one of the questions wanted is is how are we how is the NFL evaluating college quarterbacks, and is there something about that that needs to change in order to for a team to better scout a good quarterback? Yeah, um, 
I'll I'll jump in and Zach Wilson uh, was evaluated based on current trends like off-platform throws, Patrick Mahomes style throws, one year one great year in college on the middle on a middle of the pack team like BYU. But the argument at that point was sound, right? Uh, isn't it better to look at guys in that style of team uh, where you're middle of the pack, you don't have great great players around you uh, rather than a, maybe a Trevor Lawrence who quarterbacked a team full of five-star recruits where everyone blocking for him and catching the ball was going to be a high draft pick as well. It's it's hard to accurately gauge the talent of someone like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or guys now in the in college like Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud when they play on teams that are so much better than anyone they face and surrounded by similar five-star prospects and future NFL stars. So this is why we have to look beyond the stats, right? Uh, sometimes it's not all about the measurements or the arm strength. Uh, you have to have those, sure, but it's about mental aspects, leadership qualities, the ability to lead people. I'm thinking Jamarcus Russell. Now, uh, uh, he was an there, there's the bus. There's the bust of all busts. He was an athletic freak, right? Uh, he was six foot seven, six six. 270 pounds, something like that. He could throw it the length of the field, hundred yards, just amazing physical attributes, but he had no leadership qualities. He had no motivation, no work ethic. And he, yet he still, because of his, his physical attributes was the number one pick in 2007 and he failed catastrophically. Uh, how do we look at quarterbacks the right way to judge if they're good? Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the next Peyton Manning. Remember, we were talking about him as the next Andrew Luck, the best quarterback prospect in years. And so far, he's failed. While it was Justin Herbert is the one that uh, Josh, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, who have been good. How do we evaluate the other stuff? I, I like the thought of these teams are looking for the next Peyton Manning, the next Tom Brady, I think is, you know, obviously the go Tom Brady, they're looking for the next Tom Brady and they're like, okay, great. Draft him first overall. Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round, 199th pick. That's it. Potential is not how you measure a quarterback. It's, it's really, what is their work ethic? What is their willingness to dive into a playbook to understand when they get to the line, exactly what the defense is going to do. And how to direct the receivers there right at the line, right before you say hike, to be in that holes that you know are going to exist because of the ability to read the defense and to make plays off of that. Yeah. And that's I, that's unfortunately something very hard to teach. Yeah, I um I, I think that, you know, we're talking about players like Trevor Lawrence and and Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and you said it, Scott, on, on these teams that everyone, the supporting cast is going to be, you know, top, you know, first or second round pick. And that clouds the ability to really judge that player. Um, and so I think that when maybe the best way to evaluate those players um, is, you know, they, they have these pro days and these, these combines, get them different players from different teams to throw to get them, get them a different scheme to get, you know, see how they, they react to that scheme rather than what they've been, um, practicing or playing and and um, just kind of see how they react and how they can adjust to that. Um, I think that a lot of times, um, and we're just talking about it, that players in the middle of a pack team who are really shining um, or, you know, just they see, oh, they have potential, we'll draft them, you know, number 227. Um, those players seem to be the ones that really stick out and have the, 
sometimes sometimes have the best career in the NFL. Um, and I think that's because they aren't surrounded by an all-star cast. And I think it's because they're able to be seen better that way and have a better understanding of what their um, ability is to adjust. Yeah. Cody, I know it's your turn to pick, but this flows so perfectly into another one. If I, if I may talk about Taylor Heineke, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, uh, the, the question here was what really makes Taylor Heineke a better quarterback than Carson Wentz? And here's some background. Carson Wentz is the number two overall pick like Wilson, by the way, back in 2016, maybe being the number two pick is a bad thing. I don't know. But, uh, Carson Wentz is six foot five, 240 pounds. He can throw the ball, the ball a mile and a half. He's as smart as a whip. He was a valedictorian of his high school. In 2017, he was an MVP front runner for the Eagles. He threw 33 touchdowns against just seven interceptions. So what happened? The talent is there. Taylor Heineke, on the other hand, un, was an undrafted player out of a small school, Old Dominion, bounced around three teams before being drafted by the XFL in 2010. Or, or sorry, 2020, apologize. Uh, then he dropped out of football altogether and he was taking community college classes to change his career when the then Washington football team called and signed him to the practice squad in December of that year. Three weeks later, he's called up to start a playoff game <laughs> against the Buccaneers and Tom Brady after Alex Smith was ruled out with an injury. In that game, he throws for over 300 yards and a touchdown and he ran for a touchdown, kept it competitive all the way to the end, even in a loss to the eventual champion Buccaneers. And now he's won four of five games after Wentz was injured, and it's his job to keep now. Uh, Heineke is small. He's six foot one. He's barely over 200 pounds. He has a noodle of an arm. Tiny, just tiny. <laughs> yeah, none of us are that big. Sorry. But, but I mean, relative to Carson Wentz, right? He's a little kid. But he has a noodle of an arm where he can probably hit 50 or 60 yards with a wind at his back. Uh, physically, he doesn't hold a candle to Carson Wentz. So why is he better empirically? What is it about him? Let me stop there and see if you have some answers. Honestly, my first thought is humility. He understands what it's what it is to um to not have the shot that Carson Wentz really was given. Um Carson Wentz came into the league with a you know a chip on his shoulder and and you know I'm the second round pick and a lot of expectations sitting on his shoulder. Um Car- um Tyler Taylor Heineke really just he had he had to earn it he really really had to earn it and uh and he's proven it day in and day out and uh and so um that's one thing is I, I think that that being having humility he's he he's not playing for himself he's not trying to get these stats for himself he's trying to win you know and i am not i don't see that from carson wentz I, I honestly think that he's sometimes trying to prove that he was that second overall pick he's trying to show look how far i can throw it look how many yards i can get in a game stop worrying about that carson you gotta you gotta just focus on your team get him the ball you know short passes if you need to and you gotta focus on winning the game that's what taylor does and carson doesn't yeah kind of playing off of that with with heineke the the nothing left to lose right that playoff game hey if he if he sees what what he might be able to squeeze a pass through a hole and Hey, if he he throws a pick and you know fumbles and all this, he's back in community college. He, it's like nothing changed, right? He's got nothing left to lose, so he's going to try his best to do everything he can, um, and, and just get to do the best because it's the nothing left to lose. Where these these top picks, the people where you are starter from day one, it's it's kind of you have that 
I'll, I'll, I'll refer to it as the, the slide mentality of these quarterbacks who are always, always taught to slide is that, Oh, I got to make sure I protect my body. Got to slide. Got it. Cause I got to, I got to keep playing. I I'm the whole team rests on me and it's, it's kind of a different perspective, but I'm not sure Heineke has that perspective. I, I, maybe it's not a fair comparison, but I think about Josh Allen, the way, whenever he runs, he's, he's running people over. Like the man doesn't slide. He's all the size of a defensive end, but <laughs> yeah, sure. Bigger. Yeah, he's <laughs> bigger than everyone trying to tackle him. But but he's he plays with a very similar reckless abandon that we've seen from from Heineke and from some of those others that we respect, and and that's why the Bills, um, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes does a lot of the same thing. They're fun to watch because you know that Josh Allen is is playing with with that reckless abandon of I'm going to win and I'm, I don't care if I'm bruised tomorrow, I'm going to get there. Yeah. I love what you both said. And I think being the quarterback of a football team is, is a lot more about the physical stats. Like we talked about, it's about leading a team. It's about example. And it's even about that in that high schoolish fashion. It's about being popular. (laughs) And, And before you scoff, I mean, no one in Washington likes Carson Wentz. No one in Indianapolis liked him. Frank Reich couldn't get rid of him fast enough. He fell out of favor in Philadelphia. He's not a good teammate. He couldn't lead anyone. Everyone loves Taylor Heineke. He's a regular guy. He's the blue-collar type worker who wins with grit. He puts his body on the line. He works hard. He leads by example. And and he's well-liked by everyone. And all of those things make one thing happen that Carson Wentz can't do. He makes all of his teammates better. Terry McLaurin who is easily the best player on the commander's team is a better player when Taylor Heineke is throwing him the ball than when Carson Wentz is doing it. The teammates want to play with Taylor. They will put in an extra effort for him. His offensive lineman will take a bullet for him. That's something about playing quarterback that no one really sees. And it's fascinating. And that's that leadership that Zach Wilson is, is lacking. You know, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. All right. Uh, Cody, you want to pick one? Yeah, yeah. I um, um, the ones that I'm I'm dying to talk about a little bit is is TCU and USC. Um, with with, with um, and I know it's a little bit rough of a transition there, but with with one more game remaining in the college season, um, the regular season, then we have the bowl games and and playoffs coming up. I want to talk about TCU and USC. TCU was a team that I mean. <laughs> I don't think anyone was expecting a, you know, a, I mean, heck, even a seven and three record or anything. I think, I think, you know, that would have been a, a no, a success. But we're talking about they're eleven or no right now, um, and they've they've beaten teams like Baylor, Oklahoma State, um, and 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 then and then there's USC, who's um, has Lincoln Riley, and they've been showing that they have a, a firework of a of an offense, um, a defense that is doing crazy good and in the turnover margin. Um, and so are they, are those really good teams? Are they going to be able to compete in the playoff? Is, is TCU going to be a team like Georgia? Is USC going to even be able to get in? Will they, will they do anything if they get in? So with TCU, the, the good thing about football is that every game is single elimination when it comes to playoff. And so you, you don't have to be, don't have to be a better team than Georgia. You just got to play better than them for 60 minutes. You just, you just got to have a really good day. Um, is it, is it possible for 
TCU to beat Georgia? Absolutely. Sure. Um, once. I, I think that if it was a seven-game series, they'd, they'd, they'd lose four to one. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's the thing. Georgia's really, really good. TCU is also really good, and I think they can beat them once. Yeah, I, I mean, they've TCU has passed every test, right? They dominated Oklahoma. Uh, they got past Texas, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and they, I mean, they have Iowa State this weekend. They can beat them. But, and then they have the Big 12 title game, which will most likely be a rematch against Kansas State. But is their style good enough to beat a physical team like Georgia? Like the, Dustin said, maybe one out of seven games, right? Uh, I think they have the offense to score a lot of points, but that Georgia team is really good and they're really physical and they can wear a team down and that TCU offense or that TCU style of, of offense is so different that they could, they could score a lot of points and they could run it up and down against Georgia, but I just fail to see how they compete physically with that team. Um, <clears throat> and like Dustin said, it one game. Yeah, they can do it. Uh, it's just, I, I, I don't see it happening. Uh, in, a, in a big thing like that, if we're if we're talking about USC as well here, uh, they're they're ten and one, right? They they're only lost coming to Utah on the road. They currently sit at sixth outside the playoff uh, because there are four undefeated teams ahead of them. Uh, Ohio State, and Michigan play this weekend, so we'll have one less undefeated team. But what will it take for USC to leapfrog either of them? And LSU, by the way, who sits at number five? I would like USC above LSU just because of the one loss versus two, but there are a lot of other factors to consider. Again, so the big thing that I think of is USC a better team than either Michigan or Ohio State, no matter who loses that game. Uh, it, 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 they're both undefeated. And in my mind, whoever loses that game, unless it's by 40 points, would still be above USC, in my opinion. Um, and, uh, so if TCU and Georgia remain undefeated, I'm, I'm pretty much of the opinion that that top four stays as is, unless someone wins the game, big game by 40. Also, you have to consider if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC title game, they probably belong in the playoff more than USC too. So. It comes down to competition. I think for LSU, they, they play in the SEC and whether you agree with it or not, SEC is just a higher elevated talent of football than any other conference. And although it's 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 unfair, and I really don't like the college football setup, if you win and do really well in the SEC, you deserve a spot in the playoff more so than any other team in any other conference. Yeah, I I just I would just echo everything you guys said about that. I was just, um, you know, it's so exciting um to to see, you know, something something fresh, something new. But at the same time, you've gotta you've gotta know what's gonna make money. Um and that's what the playoff is about. And so um, you know, if if it's gonna evaluate or gonna generate more money to have a, a Georgia versus um, LSU game in the in the playoffs, and that's probably what's going to happen because that'll you know be more fun. It's going to be more talented. That's going to be more production scene rather than a Georgia versus a TCU or a, or a USC team that ends up Georgia blowing them out by forty points. I, I I don't know. So I mean, definitely money is a big 
big factor. But I think for the most part, the college football playoff has done the right thing by having the right teams play in it uh, to this point. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, a two-loss Alabama team a couple of years ago making it to the playoff sounded weird, but then they won the whole thing. Was was, was that it? I, I can't remember if that was it or if they, that was the year they lost to Georgia, uh, but whatever. Um, but Michigan and Ohio State, uh, this game is is like national championship quality because they're two of the only four remaining undefeated teams. And uh, so I'll go back to what I said should it really matter who loses the game unless they get destroyed by like 40 uh, losing to either Michigan or Ohio state is not a death, death sentence. Uh, th- there's the idea that's been debated to death that maybe it's not whether you're undefeated. It's about putting the four best teams in the country in the playoff. Can anyone accurately argue that Michigan and Ohio state are not two of those four best teams? Nope, I can't. They, they are uh so far, they are looking like one of the best teams. That the the issue though is who have they really played um, as a strength of schedule? You know, you look at you look at Georgia, you look at LSU, you look at um, some of these other teams. They they have a resume. They have a reason to be as good as they are. Um, I think Ohio State, um, if, if I remember their schedule right, maybe the best team that they've played so far might have been what Penn State, maybe. Um, and I don't even know if they were ranked when they played them. I'm not, I don't remember. Um, they've been ranked all season. Yeah. Are they? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that. And then, you know, the rest of the big 10 teams, which of course, big 10, um, yeah, it is a great conference, but it's not the sec. Um, and so, yeah, they, they're historically always a good team. Michigan's a great team. They are probably the, some of the best teams, but you can't help but wonder, you know, who they really played. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's also the idea that the loser of that game will not even play in the Big Ten title game. So that, that that's also something that has to be considered. Uh, and we've talked about if LSU stuns Georgia in the SEC title game, then they probably take that loser spot. Um, and if USC wins out and wins the Pac-12 title game, you have to 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 consider them. What if TCU loses the Big 12 title game to Kansas State? Then maybe one of that loser is back in. It's it's really complicated and it and it argues further for an expanded playoff that we're going to get at some point. All of those teams should get a chance. Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, TCU, USC, LSU, or even throw in Clemson, Alabama, Oregon. So yeah, the the best way to, to answer this question is to have an expanded playoff, and I'm excited for for college football to eventually evolve to that point, which it needs to do. Sure. Yeah. So with with few minutes that we have left, if we could bounce back to the NFL, um, talk about the NFC East, the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, yeah. and uh, really what three of three of the best teams in the NFL right now. Um, thinking about the Cowboys, I when Dak Prescott went out with a, with a broken finger, it's like, all right, there goes another Cowboys season, just like expected. And then then Cooper Rush just owns the league for four or five weeks. Yeah. And and Dak Prescott comes back and, and, and keeps going. Um, same thing, look at look at the Giants. Look at Saquon Barkley, who, in, in, in my opinion, if – 
if we can finally get a non-quarterback to win the MVP, Saquon Barkley should be at the top of that list. It's, and then, then look at the Eagles, which is which has uh, been been one of the great surprises to watch this season. And Jaylen the Commanders Hurts. are above five hundred too. I mean, all four teams are above five hundred right now. Uh, it's such an interesting question because the NFC East has been historically unreliable. The NFC East has not had back-to-back champions since the Eagles did it four years in a row from 2001 to 2004. Every year since it's been a different champion. That's insane. But uh, at least three of these teams are likely to make the playoffs. But it's worth noting that the NFC East has had the easiest schedule this year. They have played, there are two divisions they played, the AFC South, which is a complete mess, with everyone other than the Titans having a colossal failure of year, and the NFC North, which has a good Vikings team and three bad teams. So it's been a lot easier path for the NFC East than any other division in the league as well. But, um, yeah, and I think it really shines on on the need for, for coaching changes and the, the players, you know, injuries, you know, um, Dak Prescott, Saquon Barkley, you know, for, they, they've been dealing with injuries last year or two. And, um, and then with um, Brian Dayball coming in for the giants um, and then uh, Nick Sirianni staying with the Eagles, uh, Mike McCarthy, is this his third season with the Cowboys now or okay. Third season there. Um, and then, um, with the Eagles, they got a, they got a new quarterback coach as well. Um, I think it's, it's to know that's where the change happened. It's, it's in, it's in the leadership of the team and the coaching. Um, of course, you know, having your player like Saquon Barkley, that of course that's going to make a change. So you need, you got to try to have your, um, good players healthy and, and make some changes that you need. And that's where it happens. And I think that's what we're seeing in the NFC East and, and, um, They've had the potential all along. They just needed to get the right coaches in. And and we talked really briefly about the Cowboys and Cooper Rush. Uh, there was a lot of saying, why, why push Dak back before he's ready if you're winning without him? But there is a big difference. And, and I went back and I looked at the offense with Cooper Rush and with Dak Prescott. With Rush as the starter, the Cowboys averaged 21 points per game. With Prescott as the starter, coming back against the Lions – uh, in October sometime. I'm throwing out that first game against the Buccaneers, but since coming back against the Lions, the Cowboys offense is averaging 35 a game. That's two touchdowns difference on offense with Prescott rather than Rush. Um, so, I mean, it, it is quite a big difference, but the biggest thing with the Cowboys is that defense. That defense is amazing. Uh, Micah Parsons should be defensive player of the year, the way that he's he's going. That That is really, really good good defense and i know we're going to hit time but please share your thoughts <laughs> so with with the cowboys and here's maybe one of the controversial thoughts i have to, to finish it off the the rushing attack has been really good especially when ezekiel Elliott is not on the field when tony pollard is could be a starter for any other team and would be one of the best running backs in the league for any other team. And he just so happens to share it with a big name and an extremely overpaid and overrated player and Ezekiel Elliott. And so I love to see Tony Pollard and just how amazing he does and, and the way he runs. Yeah. I've always agreed with that with Tony Pollard. He's always been an amazing player in my mind. And I think he deserves that starting spot over Ezekiel. Okay. I think that'll do it. We will, uh, we'll take it up next week. Um, there's a lot more that we have. We didn't get everything, but 